Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of SpinCast. Today, we're jumping back into the foray of collegiate esports. Joining us is Colin Graham. Um, he is the director of esports at Davenport um, University. So without further ado, Colin, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us where those passions in esports and gaming began. Go way back. Tell us what sparked everything, kind of how that took you through um, your career um, in collegiate esports and from what I gained uh, a little bit at the high school level as well. Gotcha. So um, I've been a gamer since I was six. I got my first SNES on Christmas morning and kind of never looked back. Um, fast forward to when I was in my 20s, um, I started coaching football at a high school, Kalamazoo Central High School in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, I was an defense, offensive and defensive line coach. I did that for three years. Um, after that, or kind of during that, I became an assistant athletic director at Kalamazoo Central as well. Um, I happened to overhear a conversation with my head athletic director at the time, and he was having a conversation with a student and mentioned e-gaming. And so, you know, I a deep sigh. I'm like, I understand what he means. Um, I decided to do a little bit of research on my own and realized, oh, there is a high school esports league that is, you know, it's alive, it's well, it's, you know, competitive, and we have a gaming club on campus at this high school. Let me reach out to this, you know, to the guy who's in charge of it, who now is one of my assistant coaches at Davenport and say, hey, hey, do you want to do like a high school esports program here at, Cal at Kalamazoo Central? And he goes, yeah, for sure. So mostly it was a lot of Smash students. They really enjoyed what they were doing. They wanted something to do. They were very passionate. So we started that, did that for about a year. Um, for, for about a semester. Um, then after that, it kind of fizzled out. He left to go to a different school. Um, I was inundated with a bunch of stuff with AD work. Um, mm -hmm. I, we transitioned to the fall. Um, I get a Twitter DM from a content creation company saying, hey, we're looking for an esports director for our, or esports manager for our League of Legends tournament. It's a full-time gig. We'd like to offer it to you. I, I said, yeah, I'll come out. It was based in Detroit. So I ran a League of Legends tournament for about seven to eight months mm -hmm. um, was able to meet some fantastic teachers at the high school realm while I was there and you know coordinated all that then got the opportunity to coach and while I was at Kalamazoo Central I loved coaching I think having an impact on a student's life long term is something that you just can't get anywhere else that that feeling of oh you know I made a difference in this person's life and I think that's the reason why teachers love to do what they do as well mm -hmm. um and I said, you know, this is kind of the dream, right? It's, you know, I wanted to be a football head coach, but now I can be a coach at the collegiate level for esports. I've already been playing games my whole life. Why not? Um, so I took that job two months out or two days after I get married, the head coach of the place is like, Hey, so uh, I'm moving to the West coast. Do you want to like take over the program? Like that's the dream, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a little, a little accelerated, but yeah, let's go ahead and do it. So, you know, after that, I took over the program at Davenport University, recruited 22 students my first year in about two and a half months. Mm -hmm. And we did that by offering um, eight different titles. So we did what we call our bread and butter titles, which is League of Legends, Overwatch, Rocket League, CSGO, and Smash. And then on top of that, we do Rainbow Six Siege, Apex Legends, and Call of Duty. And we do that because we're using esports as a platform to offer opportunities to students that wouldn't have them through traditional sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that right there is such an important thing and a multitude of different reasons and areas, especially when you're talking about students and, you know, their childhood and developing out of that, um, is that a lot of kids, especially these days, are losing out on so many opportunities because they don't want to go play football. They don't want to go play basketball um, for a multitude of reasons, but they love gaming, right? Mm -hmm. And then giving them that platform where they can constructively um, kind of pursue it and get that positive growth out of it and develop those, you know, relationships and friendships and their teams and all the great stuff that comes out of that with the social um, kind of communication aspect as well. It's, it's absolutely, you know, just fantastic for everyone involved, right? So yeah. seeing that platform, you know, both at the high school level 
and the collegiate level that you've developed is absolutely phenomenal to say the least. Kind of going uh, more into the program at, Davin at Davenport University, mm -hmm. um, go into like, for, especially for the high school students out there that are trying to get involved across the country, go into like what a day at, you know, a collegiate esports practice looks like. Um, for your program in particular? You know, what do you focus on? What do practices look like? Um, what's kind of expected from the players and all the, those kind of great things? Right. So I'll go back to last year because this year is going to be completely different. Yeah. Um, this year is going to be primarily a lot of remote practices. But um, last year was, I mean, we tried to structure everything around their school schedule. So most of your school, your classes are in the middle of the day. So we have practices at night. Um, they practice nine hours a week. So you had either on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule or a Tuesday, Thursday schedule. Um, so, you know, obviously Monday, Wednesday, Friday was three hours of practice. And then Tuesday, Thursday was four and a half, which was quite a while. But mm -hmm. there were breaks in there to go, like, go get food. Um, okay. All of our students are required to be full time. So that's 12 credit hours minimum. That is a university uh, regulation. I think it's actually pretty important mm -hmm. um, while they uh, you are coming here and you're going to the school to, to compete and play games and, you know, do what you really want to do and what you're passionate about. You're also coming to be a student and to pursue a degree. So we hold every student to 12 credit hours minimum and a 2.5 GPA. And that's because we want to make sure that they're on track to get that degree in a timely manner. Instead mm -hmm. of being like, Oh, I'm a good 2 -0. I'm failing half of my classes and I'm passing half of my classes. It looks like I'm going to be a 60 year senior. Mm -hmm. Like we want to make sure you're not spending your entire life in college, go do what you want to do and be passionate about it. Um, we also have workouts that we do twice a week. So one of the stigmas around esports is you just sit in a chair and you do nothing all day. Um, esports athletes are athletes and we believe that wholeheartedly and we treat them like such. So we want to make sure that they're getting plenty of sleep, making sure like that they're drinking water, that they're eating right. And we want to make sure that they're active. So we had a trainer last year that um, would work them out twice a week. Um, for about an hour at a time, most of it was pretty basic stuff like learning how your body moves because a lot of esports athletes don't know how to work out yet so you want to make sure that they have the basics down and then when you kind of transition into what you call your big lifts your bit your bench your deadlift your your squats things of like things like that but still making sure that you're maintaining proper form mm -hmm. um and then uh, there's a lot of outside work i think that goes into it that uh my fantastic coaches did where it was more one-on-one -on -one stuff where a player would um approach the coach and be like hey like i need help with this and they would help them with that or um during competitions which may be on off practice days where you would still want to sit down with your team and you would want to like go over film and and scout the the opposing opponent um csgo has some fantastic tools we were able to use for that where you get to see different um habits and mm -hmm. strategies that their teams have i mean it's very similar to what you would have in a traditional sport you still have your film review you have to scout you have to get ready for your for your opponent that's coming up it's not just sit down turn on game go to play mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i think that balance approach is so important that's you know one of my passions within the esports industry is that that balance approach especially for wellness um, and health, right, is mm -hmm. so many people, they don't value sleep as much as they should. And this isn't just an esports thing. A lot of people in general are like, eh, I don't need sleep. Or, oh, I'll just sleep 14 hours. Like, too much <laughs> or too little of anything will right. hurt, right? So having that really good balance approach where you're still getting that physical activity, still getting that sleep, still making sure you're eating right um, in some way or another is so important. And really, the studies show from the medical side of, you know, having those workouts and having a good sleep schedule actually boosts performance in everything, especially esports, because your, you know, your uh, reaction time kind of goes up, your cognitive mm -hmm. alertness kind of gets raised as well. So that's so incredibly important to performance as well, which obviously for the gamers, the competitive ones, that's so important to them because it's what they love, right? So absolutely great to see.
kind of moving to my next question is looking at playing in a competition, right? Um, a lot of people like we were talking about earlier, a lot of gamers have never really experienced playing at a competitive level with some stakes involved, right? You know, they grow up, they play online, they play ranked, but it's not the same feel as like actually playing in a structured tournament, right? Which yeah. there's some there, you know, the amateur tournaments or whatnot. Um, but kind of a dual sided question of, does anything change for leading up to a, a competitive day, right? Like a match day, um, also for both, you know, the preparation and then also kind of like the stress or the nerves kind of associated. Is there anything that you've seen in your experience that you try to help alleviate so they're at their best um, when that match starts? I think there's definitely a lot more prep that goes into it. Um, I'm going to go back to a tournament we played, which is Grand Rapids Griff, uh, Rift Clash. It was one of our only in-person tournaments, and it was the only in-person tournament for League of Legends, which that in itself is extremely exciting. Mm -hmm. you, know, you get to see your opponent face-to-face, -face, mm -hmm. but you put a lot more time into going through and what champions do they play? How often do they play them? What's their win, their win rate with that? Like, mm -hmm. what have they played the last 10 games and kind of writing that down and going over it and discussing it and formulating a game plan based on what they are most likely to pick, first, second, or third, mm -hmm. how you're going to structure your picks and bans. Because if you go into solo queue for most of these games by yourself, it's just, what do you not want to see? What's mm -hmm. strong right now? What do you not want to play against in your particular lane or your particular position? And you just ban it out. Whereas with this, it's you're thinking more about the team dynamic. What's going to work well with our team? How are we going to synergize very, you know, really well? Mm -hmm. um, and I think the, the nerves also play into it too. But, you know, both positive and negative. Sometimes people mm -hmm. really get that, get that high off the nerves and the jitters. Mm -hmm. um, other people, they kind of fall flat. And it was fantastic to see that in my students' faces and to see how they reacted. But, yeah, there's – it's night and day. Like there's so much more prep. There's so much more that goes into it. There's so much more emphasis on the communications and the, you know, the call outs and whatnot, because I think that people know that there's something involved. There's something on the table. It's not just your rank. It's, mm -hmm. Oh, we lose this. We're out of the, we're out of the competition. We actually had a do or die situation backs against the wall. Like it felt like game seven of the world series mm -hmm. we lose this match. We don't come back the next day. We're done. Mm -hmm. We win this one we're on to the semifinals and we get to play a rematch against university of Michigan. And that was kind of really cool. We played the best game of league our players have ever had in their lives because it was just that important to them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that's so fantastic. And I know I really wish every student could experience that, um, especially if they're passionate in esports and, you know, developing platforms like yours and programs like yours is so important because it gives them that platform. It gives them that ability to experience that, um, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, there is a point we touched on a while ago um, that I want to bring up again is recruitment, right? Mm -hmm. so your first year, you recruited about 20 students, 22, I think you said. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of goes into recruitment for collegiate esports in your experience? And that's a really broad question, but you yeah, know, yeah. however you want. So, I mean, I've had these discussions with my, uh, my colleagues, and we all kind of have really different strategies for doing this. Um, I think it really comes back to our backgrounds. Mine is in traditional sports. So I really love to go out to the schools physically, talk mm -hmm. with the teachers, talk with the students, see them face to face, be able to interact with them because, you know, you can talk to students over a discord call. You can talk to them through DMS. You can do all those good things, mm -hmm. but going out and meeting them face to face and having those conversations, I think is much more impactful, but most of your recruitment does happen online. Um, usually we have a recruitment form that students will fill out if they're interested and they'll fill it out and we'll get in touch with them. We'll have conversations or we'll use recruiting services such as NCSA or be recruited and say, mm -hmm. Hey, we're looking for X, Y, and Z out of a student. And we'll go through the list of students that fit that criteria, reach out to them, start those conversations. Um, talk, usually talk to mom and dad across this entire conversation as well, because 
their involvement in the recruitment process is just important as the students. We want to make sure that they're on board and they're 100% with their student coming to our university, giving us, you know, responsibility over their well-being. So we make mm -hmm. sure that they're all good to go. Um, and then usually, like, there's things like, you know, bring them on campus, have them see the campus, have them see the, you know, our competition space, see the dorm mm -hmm. rooms, meet with myself, myself if they haven't met with me face-to-face -face before, um, or if they are – if they're getting coached by a particular game and we bring that coach in to kind of meet with them. So they get an idea of who they're going to be working with the next year, mm -hmm. you know, just that, that whole thing. I think it's very, it's very traditional in how we handle it. So it's very much like, you know, a football or basketball player would be recruited, but it's for esports, And I think that lends itself really well to the feeling of, Oh, I'm a student athlete. Mm -hmm. I'm just being treated just like everyone else mm -hmm. because they are like everyone else. They are just as important as a football, baseball, basketball, lacrosse, hockey type of athlete. So we want to give them that experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a missed point from so many people from that, you know, that mainstream average, like especially for parents that aren't exposed to the esports space. They're like, oh, you know, he's just playing games or they're going to go and they're going to have fun and play in a couple of tournaments. But it's like, no, the amount of work and the time management, the balance that these kids mm -hmm. have to have, these students have to have is nothing different from collegiate football or basketball or baseball. It's just you're not playing football. You're playing League of Legends or Overwatch and et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and it was the exact same prep work. You watch film. You do this analytical um, kind of crit critical thinking and problem solving just like you do outside of practice. And obviously you practice in the game as well and apply the skills. So absolutely great to see. That kind of brings me to my next question is obviously you have a lot of experience in traditional sports and in esports as well, um, which I think they're very close, but there's some like key differences as well. Obviously, there's pretty obvious ones to say the least, but um, kind of from that lens of, you know, competitive, the competitiveness, what similarities and differences have you seen um, from traditional sports versus esports where, you know, one thing might work for one place, but not for the other one? Um, I've noticed that with esports. So whenever we did practices for traditional sports, you kind of had your practice schedule segmented. You had individual work, you had group work, you had teamwork, and then you may have like a team practice like type of thing within your group. And that was the day <clears throat> you would have a scouting report for the team prior. You knew what they were going to run, when they were going to run it, what down they were going to run it on. Mm -hmm. These sports, you don't really have that. So you have to restructure your practices. Um, our practices do we we scrim more mm -hmm. so it's actual like low-key competition during your practice time you're finding a team that you may play or that's on the same level as you and compete against them and i think that's one of the differences also you never really have an instance where you're just getting manhandled in a tournament typically mm -hmm. um, a lot of tournaments that we run into are swiss style where mm -hmm. if you lose a game you're going to play someone that's also lost a game mm -hmm. so you'll never have a team that's zero and five playing a team that's five and zero and just getting wiped um, there was way too many instances when i was coaching football where you may have a game where you're losing by 36 40 points and you're just thinking to yourself man i just want to get out of here let me get back on the bus and go home Whereas with this, like, it feels like every game is going to be close. It's going to be that nail biter. And there's, there's something on the line. Mm -hmm. um, and there's the, the mental slash physical exhaustion is a big difference as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to get mentally exhausted much slower than you will physically exhausted. A student's going to run, you know, all up and down the field for two hours and he's done. Like you're not going to get anything else out of him. Mm -hmm. But with esports, we have students who are like, I can do 12 hour gaming sessions mm -hmm. before my, my physically have reached my limit. And I think that's a big difference where we have to be cognizant of that. We don't really have an off season because of that either, because the students are just going to compete anyways. Mm -hmm. So you really have, like, you have these weird, like 
the feelings and the thoughts and what happens during the game is very similar. People have similar reactions because it's a sport and they're competing and they want to do it. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to practices and how you structure your year, you have to treat it differently because of the mental versus physical type of aspect of what you're dealing with. I mean, it's going to be easier to, to wear out physically than it will be mentally. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's something that um, also is just so overlooked is that mental component, that balance, right? I mm -hmm. keep saying things are overlooked, but that's kind of what esports needs is that focus on some mm -hmm. of these aspects so we can get to that next level and keep growing and developing, um, especially from that outside perspective. Some people are like, oh, well, you can't get tired playing the video games. Like, well, you can. And like, even the worst part of that is like, you know, the actual gamer, the player doesn't really think that either. They're like, oh, I can keep going. I'll get the next, I'll queue up for the next game. We'll get this online tournament later tonight. But it's like, hey, you need a break, right? Sit back, relax, you know, watch a TV show, go for a run, you know, do yeah. something else just to like mentally reset so you're still at that peak performance when you go play that next match. But so yeah. don't realize that. We have what's called like the 20-20-20 rule. Mm -hmm. So um, I learned this from being at a, at a convention, but for every 20 minutes of play, you take 20 minutes, 20 seconds, at least 20 seconds of rest mm -hmm. looking at something 20 feet away because, you know, the biggest issue is ocular strain where you're staring at a screen which may not be at the correct height for your neck so your eyes are straining to look at it at a downward angle so get up walk around just look at something and let your eyes rest mm -hmm. um stretching is super important between games a lot of forearm and wrist stretches um one of the big issues whereas you know you look at let's say you know even football and basketball knee injuries you know torn mm -hmm. acls and you know things of that nature well us it's rsi and carpal tunnel mm-hmm it's, yep. it's back pain. So it's, you know, putting emphasis on maintaining proper posture, making mm -hmm. sure that you're stretching before and after games so you don't develop those problems. Um, if you're someone that has early onset RSI potentially, getting yourself a wrist brace and wearing it at night. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like for when it comes like to taking those breaks, it's super important. And if you even, if you plot the data of like gameplay, the longer you play after a certain point, you're just going to see a, a hard decline. Yep. And I don't think players see that. They think, oh, I can, I'm just having a bad game. I'm going to bring it back next game. But at some point, you're just so mentally drained that you just need to take a minute. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even like what you're saying, if you plot that data, like usually after that bad game, you know, when you're just playing online, you know, grinding, you have a bad game and like, oh, that was terrible, right? I'll get bad next time. But I'm going to go get a snack, you know, maybe go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden you play the next, better the next game. You're like, oh, I just had a bad game. But it's like, no, you actually got up, you moved, you increased your blood flow, you got a good snack um, mm -hmm. and you took your mind off of it. Even if it's just for a few minutes, it's like that balance, right? Um, like it's those, those small steps that we start to take and realize and all of a sudden you have this great little, you know, habit that you're kind of doing that really helps you in the long run. So absolutely fantastic. Kind of move into my last question before we run out of time here. Absolutely great discussion so so far and so many great points in here. Is looking at collegiate esports as a whole, as a whole <laughs> industry, the whole level, um, and your experiences looking towards the future, um, what do you think is that one main thing that needs to either change or be improved on um, to really bring collegiate esports to where it is now, you know, in a lot of great universities, a lot of great programs, but it's not like nationally accepted yet from that, like that mainstream media perspective. Mm -hmm. You don't see coverage like for college football, right? Which is all we hear about right now because, <laughs> you know, the news yesterday, Big Ten dropping out, it's crazy. Right. Uh, but what's that one thing that you think needs to change to really bring that, that level of awareness up to where people are like, wow, 
this is great. I'm going to go cheer for my university or maybe I'll join this club or something like that where that awareness kind of just gets raised. I think a lot of, like a lot of your schools right now, there are some statistical outliers that are larger schools that have our full buy-in. So um, a couple of my colleagues, Kevin Reap and Chris Haskell at um, Mizzou and Boise State, um, respectively, fantastic individuals. Those are larger schools that have bought in. They're all in on esports. Uh, I think what you need is you can need to, to have that big school buy-in. Um, there needs to be a normalization of this is esports. It's not going anywhere. It's not students pl just playing games. Mm -hmm. Get more of those schools, like get a University of Michigan, get an Ohio State, get an Alabama to actually say, we are going to go all in on esports. We are going to support our students fully. We're going to staff it. We're going to put coaches on it. We're going to treat it the way it should be treated. And the second that you have those big players that come in the game and say, yeah, this is esports and this is what we're doing, it'll shift that that dialogue to and i mean it's it's gonna be it's still gonna be a slow climb it's gonna change shift from oh just kids playing games like you guys are really supporting this it's just kids playing games to eventually when it gets the coverage and you start interacting with students i mean if i had some person off the street come in and actually watch a practice and see the passion on my students faces and see how they treat the game as seriously as they do and then do the things that they do in game they would probably see in a different light. And I think it's just, it's an education piece, but mm -hmm. the biggest players in the game need to be on board with it as well, mm -hmm. because they're going to have the biggest influence in like the national dialogue when it comes to esports. You want to see, you want to make this something that's mainstream, get it on ESPN on a Saturday. We're not going to have big 10 football this year. Why mm -hmm. don't you get a league of legends games between Michigan, Michigan state or Michigan and Ohio state on a Saturday afternoon, a best of five, that's basically going to take about the same amount of time as a football game anyways. Yep. And like have player cam faces, let people see what's going on. And most people say, which well, is a video game. But if you really sit down and look and look and dive into it, you'll realize that there's so much more going on than just kids playing games. And I think that, like I said, go back to that first point. Once the big players get in and they go all in on it, it's going to change. It's going to change drastically. Yep, exactly. Because like you said, that visibility to the next level, like Alabama, Ohio State, you see those university names in the news almost every single day for sports. Once they, you know, someone like them or them themselves buys into it, that just brings that, you know, awareness and kind of validity as well. Like, oh, well, they're doing it. They're really good at everything else. So they're probably going to be really good at this. And I'll, I'll buy into it. I'll go watch it because I graduated there. I live close um, and on and on which is fantastic. It's exactly what we need. Cause you know, like you said, esports isn't going anywhere. The numbers like really just prove that completely. It's mm. going so incredibly fast. And, you know, I truly believe like basically at the professional level, there's two Titans left NFL and European soccer. Once we beat those, then, you know, we're the world's competition. Right. So that's, yeah. that's pretty phenomenal to see as well. But unfortunately we are out of time. Great. A lot of great talking points. I really love these podcasts to really kind of showcase different um, programs throughout the country at all levels, you know, high school, collegiate and professional, um, because it really kind of just gives the audience that like, hey, you know, esports is real, it exists all over the place and in different forms as well, just like any other competitive uh, sport or structure. So lastly, if you will, Colin, go ahead, plug Davenport, tell us where we can keep up to date, any social media, websites, etc. So we can just uh, follow you as you continue to grow and succeed. So you can keep up with uh, with Davenport at, um, primarily on Twitter. So we are du underscore esport. Unfortunately, we don't have the s on the end because someone is sitting on that name. Um, pretty much anything else, if you look up Davenport Esports, one word, um, you'll find us on our Twitter or on our not our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram. Um, if you put an underscore on there, I believe you'll also find our Twitch channel, which we will be doing so much more streaming this year, so much more content creation to really highlight these students and what they do fantastically. Mm -hmm. um, 
if you want to go find us on our website, it is uh, dupanthers.com. You go there. You can. Uh, we're like one of the only co-ed sports. We're pretty easy to find in the drop down. Um, we're excited th- for this year and what we're going to be able to bring the table, especially in lieu of not having fall sports. You know, we get to be the only ticket in town. We get to show what we do and what we do very well. Exactly. And that's, I mean, you know, there's always positives and negatives out of, you know, a bad situation, but you know, for esports, it's great because the kids can still compete, you know, at home on their PC setup. And also I even say like, you know, esports is already socially distanced as well. Obviously mm-hmm. it's not the best case right now, but eventually when social distance is the best practice, you can sit 10 feet away in different computers in the same room. Um, mm-hmm. you know, once it's safe to get to that point, but right now online, fantastic form of competition and I'm excited to see collegiate sports be basically the only competition for college in the fall and who knows what this ring looks like. So right. thank you again for sitting down with me today and talking thank about you. Uh, collegiate esports. Thanks for taking the time to all the viewers and listeners out there. Thanks for staying the entire time. Stay healthy and stay happy. Just like we're talking about the pandemic, making sure take care of yourself, take care of your loved ones and your friends um, during the pandemic. Um, and ultimately stay plugged in.